you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. The Needle Needle, the Needle Needle. Good morning, everybody. This is Frank Norwood, a grouchy Frank Norwood filling in for Down East Mike, who called out sick this morning. And uh, yeah, that was an early morning call. We did not want to get, he's like, oh, Frank, I can't make it in. I'm wicked sick. And and, uh, so Frank Norwood filling in for Down East Mike. We're going to try to do do him justice. He's always happy. Um, And uh, maybe he's because he's such an early morning go-getter. But uh, this is the Down East Mike podcast. It's episode number 76 news and commentary and uh let's share that out so you can see it and uh yeah news and commentary for february 2nd thursday 2023 down east mike's motto is some of this is whimsy some of it's true and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you down east mike likes to add that it contains no mean words just wholesome goodness from Down East Maine, a historical literary auditory candy store. And he asked, did you hear the bells on the door when you came in? Today's episode, we have mild winter easing the oil crisis, and that's from 1974. 30 cases of the grip from 1892. High school boys and snowballs and milkman's whip, and that's from 1892 on this day. Also, Bath Iron Works, the first steel boat, 1892, and a message in a bottle. That's all coming up on the Down East Mike podcast. Uh, Let's look at the uh, international headlines. We have Hunter Biden finally admitting the infamous laptop is his as he pleads for a criminal probe. I don't know why he'd plead for that. Russia is making advances in the East Ukraine. That's some news, huh? Um, let's see, Tyree Nichols police report at odds with the video of brutal traffic stop before his death. Shell reports the highest profits in 115 years. Isn't that nice? What else in the news? Air Force says no to China's plan to build a mill near North Dakota base. They bought a bunch of land there. They're going to develop it. Uh, Twitter announces plans to start charging developers. I picture them coming over the hill, charging the developers. Dances with Wolves actor Nathan Chasing Horse told his wives to shoot at the cops, take suicide pills. Wow. Uh, What else do we have there? International news. Nothing much really good. Let's look at the main headlines we have. There's a big cold snap coming, in case you didn't know that. Uh, Maine headlines. A vessel strike blamed for the humpback whale's death in New York. It's not really Maine. Dangerous cold snap coming to Maine. Uh, Dog credited with alerting its owner to an early morning fire that destroyed an Anson home. Good for that dog. Uh, This week's deep freeze will not mean fewer ticks this spring. Not that anybody's going to go count the ticks this spring on their on their arm and tie it back to the winter. What else? And we already had the, oh, fire damages the biomass plant at Colby College in Waterville. All right, turn that one down a little bit. 
that is about it for the local headlines. Let's get to our, our podcast and uh, let's see, what, what do we have here? We will get to, move that one out of the way. Uh, from, well, let's do our word of the day. Downey's Mike does that, doesn't he? Uh, Halifax is the word of the day. The Indian name was Chibok, C-H-E-B-O-O-K-T, meaning chief harbor or great long harbor. And Halifax was known as Shibuktu up until the year 1749. We should probably show you that, actually. Let's share it out again. It is right here. Share. Um, it is said that Lord Halifax, having no family and wishing to immortalize his name, sent Edward Cornwallis uh, as the governor of Nova Scotia. Cornwallis arrived with 2,576 immigrants in the July 1749. It was he who changed the name Shibuktu to Halifax in honor of his patron, Halifax. But the part we like here is that the word means holy hair, the name being accounted for by the fact that the head of a virgin who had been murdered was hung from a, uh, suspended from a tree in the neighborhood of the English city of Halifax. Holy hair. Nice name for a city. That's our word of the day, Halifax. Uh, on this day, 1974, we had winter of the oil crisis. It's generally been a mild one. So the winter of energy crisis has generally been a mild one so far, January, usually the coldest part of the winter, ended with warmer than normal temperatures throughout most of the country. Practically the whole country has been warmer this year. That was from Robert Dixon of the National Weather Service. Because of mild weather and reduced fuel demand, says the Federal Energy Office, fuel oil inventories now provide a comfortable cushion against the possibility of the rest of the winter being colder than normal. Lots of inventories. Interesting. Uh, last winter the, uh, had a mild beginning, but colder average temperatures in the second half, says Murray Mitchell of the Weather Service. Adds Dixon, a mild January doesn't mean a mild February. America is actually in its third straight mild winter. Hmm, 1974. Areas running slightly colder than normal are the central southwest and parts of the Midwest, Northwest, and Upper Great Plains. Also on this day in 1974, thousands are put out of work temporarily. The violence continues in several states. About 200 armed National Guardsmen were stationed along highways in Pennsylvania today as a shutdown by independent truckers continued to spread, throwing thousands of persons temporarily out of work. And incidents of violence continued in several states during the night and early today as truck traffic slowed in parts of more than 20 states. 1974, big strike. Uh, local news. I can't do this justice. Downey's Mike could read it better. Um, this must be from uh, Auburn, Maine, in 1974. A quantity of marijuana found between two buildings was turned over to Auburn police Friday. A man said he found the grass in a nickel bag between Jimmy's Diner building and Michaud's Sunoco station on Minot Avenue, the drug was turned over to Detective Norman Bulldog, a nickel bag. I remember they used to talk about dime bags. Gas taken, Kerry Keith of 1871 Hotel Road told Auburn police this noon that sometime during the night, 
between midnight and 6 a.m., someone siphoned approximately eight gallons of gas from his car. And Keith told authorities thefts of this nature also have occurred in the past. Staying all over it. Let's roll it back to February 2nd, 1892. State news. There are about 30 cases of grip in Jonesboro. Uh, Mrs. Olive Watts of Jonesport came here to attend the funeral of her mother, caught a cold, and died at her home Thursday. Business is lively in this region. People are enjoying the first slaying of the season. Wood, lath, stuff, and logs are hauled. I think they were using the lath for plastering the walls at that time, or maybe to build lobster traps. Uh, an old lady in Centerville named Ingersoll died suddenly and the neighbors feared foul play. Considerable was said about exhuming the body and having an examination, but the excitement seems to be dying out. It's thought that nothing will be done about it. They had kind of a cavalier attitude towards death then. In Enfield, the temperature went down to zero last week. It was the first time for the season, 1892, another mild winter. From Portland, Maine, on this day, 1892, they talk about Sir, um, there was a guy doing some concert promotions in Portland. I should have paid Sir Edwin Arnold $500 for his lecture had he been able to deliver it, said Mr. Ira Stockbridge. And this led to a chat about his extensive experience with many of the leading lecturers, musicians, et cetera, of the country and even the world. He was started in his present business of affording Portland citizens and many others besides the best of public entertainment and instruction by selling tickets for the old Grand Army and Mercantile courses, which essentially destroyed each other. Soon after, and 11 years and 11 years ago, he made his first venture and engaged the Bostonians then in their first season to come here and present Pinafore, the HMS Pinafore. Uh, he cleared $835, which put him on his feet. The present is the 10th course of winter entertainments for which our citizens are indebted to him. He's paid all kinds of the best talent during that time, over $100,000. Let's see, we wanted to get to the meat of this one. Mr. Stockbridge paid the Bostonians $1,000 for three operas. Thomas Orchestra cost him $1,200 for one concert. Boston Symphony, $1,000. Walter Damroche Company, $1,000. And the Strauss Orchestra, the most expensive of all, $2,000 for one day, matinee, and evening. And twice he lost money on the Thomas Orchestra. Oh, here's our story about the high school boys. They threw snowballs at a milkman who chased them with his whip. The only boy who didn't run was the innocent one. He was a tiny little fellow and with an easy conscience had no fear of the enraged milkman who, however, rushed upon him and struck him with the whip with such force that the lash was wound round his head across the bridge of his nose two or three times, uh, was broken from the handle and had to be picked off the little fellow's face. Luckily, there was no permanent injury. The boy's father and the principal of the school are now decidedly interested in the affair. Milkman with a whip. I wonder what he carried that for. Let's see, a lady was recently visiting her niece who resides in Deering, Maine. This lady is of unimpeachable position socially and in every way, her character is without reproach. She has all of her life experienced the peculiar powers of spiritualistic medicines, or medians, 
although she has never displayed them or mentioned them to any but friends and relatives. She was walking along a Deering Street the other day with her niece when they passed a lady in mourning whom she had never seen nor heard of before in her life. Never, never. She said to her niece, that lady has lost a little daughter, hasn't she? How did you know, asked the niece. I saw the little one walking beside her, holding her hand. The little girl died over a year ago. Whether it was a case of mind reading uh, for the niece, no, not about it, or a shrewd guess, or whether she actually saw what she affirmed she did see must be left to the individual opinion. That was a little bit awkward. Let's see. We wanted to read about... Uh, talk about first thing. We'll skip that one. From Winthrop. At the meeting of Winthrop Monday, in the interest of a condensed milk factory, a committee of three in each town was chosen in the towns of Winthrop, Reedfield, Wayne, Monmouth, Leeds, Mount Vernon, etc., Manchester, and Hollowell, to canvas other towns to ascertain the amount of milk that can be secured. The plant will be a surety provided 5,000 quarts with a prospect of 20,000 are secured. It is hoped, however, to secure enough to build the factory with a capacity of 40,000 quarts per day. Another meeting will be held February 15th. They sure were industrious then. Um, February 2nd, 1892, electrical executions. The New York legislature passed a bill allowing the presence of reporters. It's called the Stein Bill. came out of Albany, New York. It allowed reporters at electrical executions, as reported in the Senate today, it was amended so as to provide that the warden may appoint such people as he chooses and remove the restrictions to publication. The bill was passed and sent to the assembly where it was concurred in. It now goes to the governor. So even then, they were finding a way to use electricity in innovative ways. Here is our message in a bottle. A bottle's been found floating near Lurwick, the chief town of mainland, one of the Shetland Islands on Brassey Sound. It contained a message from Fowla, F-O-W-L-A, which is an island of the Shetland group. And it's stating that owing to the absence of communication with the other islands caused by the exceedingly stormy weather that's prevailed for the past five weeks, the inhabitants of Fowla are on the verge of starvation. They had at the time the bottle at the time the bottle was thrown into the water only a few potatoes and a little meal left. We're going to have more on Fowla in just a moment. A man was killed in Bristol Mills on this day. Uh, was reported at Bristol Mills Monday afternoon. Samuel McKilvey, aged about 32 years, while at work under C.C. Robinson Sons Mill, was caught on a wheel and killed. One foot was entirely severed. The body of Mally Mangler came from New Jersey a few months ago and leaves a widow and child. At that time, uh, without the uh, any help from OSHA or any any of that type of job place safety, a, a lot of industrial accidents. Let's go to our main honorary island of the moment here. Uh, Down East Mike gave us a lousy script to work with. We're doing the best we can filling in for him, though. This remote island lying 20 miles west of the Shetland mainland covers five square miles. It has five distinctive peaks, including one of the highest sheer sea cliffs in Britain, Dakame, or Dakame, 1,233 feet high. Fula, or Fuli, as it was once known, means literally bird island, 
with an estimated half million birds of various breeds uh, sharing the rock with the inhabitants. The island's surface largely consisting of a peat bog on rocks. Wow, that's a, that's a drink that the millennials would like. Like much of the rest of Shetland is evidence of settlement in Fula dating back to the Iron and Bronze Ages. Around 800 AD, Norsemen conquered Fula and took up residence in the fertile Hamtoon, leaving croft names like Norderhaus, Krugley, and Gutren, and other descriptive Norse place names. Isn't that something? Due to its remote location, it's believed that Fula existed for many years almost as an independent entity in its own right. It was one of the last places in Shetland where the old Norn language, a relic of Norse times, was spoken. Today, Fula is home to around 35 islanders who share, share it with thousands of birds, hundreds of hardy and colorful Fula sheep, Shetland ponies, and even its own subspecies of field mouse. It's an island rich with folklore and history and has a strong musical tradition. Here's some interesting things about it. It remained on the Julian calendar while the rest of the UK adopted the Gregorian calendar in 1752. As a result, Fula is now one day ahead of the Julian calendar and 12 days behind the Gregorian and it observes Christmas day on 6th January and New Year on the 13th of January. They have their own power there. They're green. What else do we want to say about that? Uh, ancient stone wall thought to be a monk's cell. They build those a lot. The island continued to be under Norse ownership until 1572, when Gorvel Fadersdatter gave all her land in Shetland, including Fula, to Robert Chain, who was of Scottish descent. During the 18th century, a time of bad famines, Fula was devastated by three successive plagues of smallpox, and only six persons were said to be left to bury the dead. The island was repopulated by new families from the Shetland mainland, and most of the Old Norse language and oral history was lost. And you can read more about that. Uh, and they have some unique birds there, and, uh, and of course, the sheep and ponies. Let's get to uh, another honorary, uh, the main mammal of the moment. It's going to be the Shetland pony. And the Shetland pony, uh, it's a breed of horse popular as a child's pet in Mount, uh, originating in the Shetland Islands in Scotland. The breed is adapted to the island's harsh climate and scant food supply. Of course, they're little, right? A little Shetland pony. With the exception of certain dwarf ponies resulting from genetic mutation, the Shetland is the smallest breed of horses. Average height's about 40 inches. Downey's Mike would not be riding one of those. Some other things. Uh, ponies are thought to have arrived in Shetland by crossing the ice fields at the end of the Ice Age and around the same time that woolly mammoths still roamed. That would be a great little bit of cinema there. Pony bones were found at Jarlshof, where they were, were present, although larger, during the Bronze Age. Evidence suggests that they were used for work rather than hunted for food. That's nice. Cattle and sheep bones found at prehistoric sites were split to suck out the marrow, but the pony bones had never been found like this. Okay. Other examples of ponies in Shetland's history include the image of a pony on a papil stone and on the Brassay stone, Pictish. Uh, artwork from the ninth century. Those picks, they were the blue guys, weren't they? 
The later Norse inhabitants had a very descriptive way of naming areas of Shetland, and some places on the map clearly had an abundance of ponies. What else? I think that's enough. We've done ponies. We've we've talked about a uh, uh, talked about ponies and islands. Let's take a look at the forecast here. Um, it will be if we can find it again. Let's get right back there. There we go. Uh, for today, we're looking at um, yeah a, a high near thirty one, so it's going to warm up quite a bit today, and. Um, Scattered snow showers tonight between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Then we go into Friday. That's where we get that high of 4 degrees. Pretty cold day on Friday. Wind chill is as low as 34, so not going to go outside too much. Uh, Saturday, sunny and cold with a high near 5 and breezy. Okay. And then finally on Sunday, cloudy with a high near 31. Gets back to a, a little bit more uh, seasonable weather until next time this is frank um, speaking for down east mike wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace love and kindness we'll see you in basketball I keep candy in my drawer but still it stays away hiding on the fifth floor behind a locked door pecking away on a broken keyboard I could buy him a new one but let him take the pain to see your destiny exposing that gay old clown clown